This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, we bring you the draft recap. It was an incredibly special night as 90 young men had their lacrosse dreams come true. Evan Kirk is headed to Roch Vegas to put in the work. Four Vancouver Warriors players say goodbye, and we get ready for camp. All that more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League Action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? Why Dylan Ward? I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Claire right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on the Lacrosse Flash podcast network, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you get your streaming music. Happy Thursday. We are, what, five days removed from the National Lacrosse League entry draft? What a wild night it was. We had some glitches. We had some technical difficulties. But at the end of the night, 90 names were welcomed to the National Lacrosse League as the draft class of 2021. My name is Teddy Jenner. Welcome to the show. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. Email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Also check out the show clips on Instagram at OTCB Podcast. Um... This is slowly getting into the slow part of the National Lacrosse League season. It's the downtime. It's the lull between draft and camp. It's eight weeks, six weeks of just kind of getting yourself prepared for what will be a track meet. And it sounds like most teams will open up camp in November. Um... In my conversation with Bob Hamley, he's mentioned that they're going to do some like open camps. I know Philly is going to be doing that as well. I don't think those actually count as training camp dates because it's sort of for just anybody who wants to maybe get an invite to the actual training camp. And I think he said teams get two weeks of that. So that kind of puts us mid to late October for open tryouts and then Teams will start up their training camps in November, and we know opening weekend is December 3rd and 4th. Game one, Colorado in San Diego. But we have seen Panther City 
announced that on December 10th, they will also have their home opener. And I don't know why I couldn't find it. Um, I should have written it down. But I thought I saw some other teams announce that they had opening weekends on the December 10th weekend. But until a full schedule is out, which we are all anxiously awaiting, um, you know, this... This is slowly start become, slowly becomes the time when the schedule will come out. Um, NHL is releasing their schedule. NBA is releasing their schedule. Those are usually the two leagues that we have to work around uh, to find dates that are available. For most of the teams in the league, that is an issue. Um, for many of the teams. So we should be expecting that in the coming weeks. And I know... Our boy Ben Mitchell is desperately wondering, like many of you, when an American broadcast deal will be announced. Patience, my young friends. It is coming. It will be announced soon. It will be fantastic for the league. We just have to make sure all the I's and T's are dotted and crossed before that gets done. They took time with the TSN deal. They're taking time with choosing this broadcaster for bringing the National Cross League to as many eyes and fans as possible in the United States. So, I know you're all anxiously waiting. And then once that gets out, you're going to be wondering where else you can get it. But, just know, an American broadcasting deal is coming soon, just like the National Cross League schedule is coming soon, just like Training camps are coming soon. And for all 90 of you kids uh, that are had their names called, and all of you young men, which you now are, obviously. <laughs> You're not kids anymore. Seems like it because the rest of us are just getting older and y'all are bigger, faster, stronger than any of us ever were when we came into the National Lacrosse League. The work is not done. And it is a very old cliche, but trust me when I say this. If you think you are in shape heading into camp, you need to get in better shape. You can always work a little bit harder. And from now until that opening weekend of camp in November, you have to make sure that you are doing everything possible to make sure you are ready. Because when I first came into this league, and I know other guys have said this and will say this, is we use those first couple weeks of camp to get back into shape. And then by the time the season started, we were good. Now, if you're not in shape come day one of camp, you're not making it to day four of camp. Because it'll become pretty obvious to the coaching staff that you're not ready and you didn't come prepared and they can't afford to have guys not up to speed right away. Because you only get so many practices leading up to the start of the season. And you cannot waste them on conditioning drills. Because you're going to do those types of conditioning drills within the actual game set drills that you do. That's where we all get our conditioning from at the pro level. You have to do all the other stuff on your own away from the rink. And like I said, these kids... these got to stop saying that. These men... Coming into the league now 
are so much better athletically prepared than 20 years ago. And a lot of that has to do with just the natural science of physical fitness, the work that they're putting in at school, the work that they're putting in, you know, in the gym and getting full academic scholarships to be student athletes and really living that life and becoming the best athlete and student they can be. And you can see that in the play and the content of our sport. It is better than it has ever been in the history of this league. It is very unfortunate that roughly 35 to 40 of the kids in this draft are heading back to school. But that is the process we're going to be in for the next two more drafts. Last year was the first COVID draft where a lot of the draft class got the extra year in the NCAA. And so now they're gone back. And now they're going to be this year's true rookie class with the ones in this class that aren't going back to school. But there is roughly 35 to 40. Let's go 30 to 40. Guys that were drafted that are heading back to college and won't be playing this year. Sure, they could play if they're uh, if their season's done and their team is knocked out, you know, by April, May, yes, those guys technically can sign and come and play right away. But for most of them, it's not going to mean until next year's draft class. And then next year's draft class, which many believe is going to be a bit of a super draft, will again have a high number of kids drafted going back to college. And it's going to be this cycle for the next three, four seasons. But once we get out of that, this league is going to be going full steam at its peak. And in four years by now, you know, we're probably going to be at least 16 teams. And the league is just projecting so high right now. And one of those new teams is Panther City Lacrosse Club. And Bob Hamley and his staff did a ton of work leading up to this night. They've been on the clock for a very long time, and they knew they needed to get this decision right. We'll talk about all those thoughts, those processes, and why they went the way they did, and how they feel about the future of the program. This is a one-on-one discussion with the president and general manager, Bob Hamlin, and it's right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. It was a very busy night on Saturday, and the team that was most excited about the events that unfolded was the Panther City Lacrosse Club and their general manager, Bob Hamley, who joins us now on the show. Hammer, how are you, my friend? I'm great, Teddy. Great to be with you. It, uh, it was a great night for Saturday, on Saturday, for you guys. Um, before we get into like, the, the true details of the draft, um, how important and special was that night for you and TK and Jordan, and, and Junes, and, and Cornfield, like everybody, and part of your staff. How special of a night was that for all of you guys? Yeah, it was really special, Teddy. Uh, all of the guys put a ton of work in. You know, obviously, being a new team, we've been at this for, you know, 10 months or better. Um, so for it to come uh, to a culmination of, of – of players that we got Saturday it was it was a, a great time for all of us and another milestone for Panther City Lacrosse Club for sure. 
Um, you, you mentioned you've been at this for 10 or so months, but this was kind of a new thing for a lot of you guys. Going through an expansion draft is a brand new team. Drafting is a brand new team. What were some of the challenges that you faced um, going into your first ever entry draft? Well, we were lucky enough, uh, Teddy, to actually, you know, see some lacrosse this summer. And thanks to the BCLA and the WLA and, and of course, Ontario Junior Lacrosse League um, getting things going. So we were able to see some live lacrosse. Up until then, it was, everything was challenging because mm-hmm. you're just watching video. And, of course, we didn't have a season last year to to watch the, the uh, you know, the current players that we chose in expansion, watch them play. So you're really – uh, going on video, going on uh, experience with a lot of these guys. And uh, fortunately, again, for us, we got to watch some lacrosse this summer. It helped a lot. But And then, you know, the draft being virtual. Um, I know there's some challenges from your side and obviously some challenges from, from our side. Uh, a couple times I had to resend a text with a pick and you're scrambling, you're watching the line go across your phone and you're, you're worried uh, it's going to get in time to, to Brian and Max, but yeah, uh, it all worked out. It all worked out. Um, how much space? Obviously, a lot. But how, how proud are you of the work that you know Kyle Goundry and John Grant and Ken Watson and and Jordan Cornfield, your director of player personnel and operations, did in finding you these guys and getting the tape for these guys and talking to their coaches? and the hard work that they have to do as scouts. Well, I'm glad you brought it up, Teddy. Uh, Kyle Gallandry, John Grant Jr., Ken Watson, Jordan, put a lot of time in. And, and as you know, it's um, it's really a, a passion of the game of lacrosse for these guys. That's why they do it. And I can't say enough great things about all of them. Uh, Jordan organized those guys, and, and, and Gallandry went out to the arena, and Kenny went out to the arenas, and, and June's from uh, – an American side gave us some real good perspective on the American kids uh, that he liked. And so I just can't say enough great things. You know, you know, it, Teddy behind every great uh, team is uh, the guys in the behind the scenes that um, do all the grunt work. And those guys put a lot of time in. I, I couldn't be more thankful for them. You know, a year ago coming into this, you know, a lot of guys were under contract, including TK and, and um, I wondered, you know, where I was going to get my staff and who it was going to be, and I'm, I'm very thankful for the guys I have, and I appreciate you bringing it up. Um, you guys were busy pre-draft, as any good expansion team should be, and just trying to fill out your roster with bodies, whether they're warm from still being in the NLL or whether they're a little cool from having never played. Um, two guys I want to kind of focus on, Jeremy Thompson you get from Saskatchewan, and Bryce Wasserman is a street free agent. How important were those two pieces for you? Well, first off, Jeremy, uh, everybody knows uh, what a class person he is, knows the family. You know, I talk to a lot of people about Jeremy and, and the constant uh, information I got on Jeremy is what a great teammate he was. And TK, as you know, Teddy, prides himself on uh, character and his locker room. Uh, TK may be one of the best locker room guys ever in our league, and so he's priding himself on that. And uh, Jeremy, uh, you know, even though he's uh, of the age to, to, to garner his free agency, he's still got a lot of game left in him. 
and he's a fellow that we identified pretty early that we'd love to get, and it worked out. Uh, Bryce Wasserman, um, you know, had some success on the field, and he is from uh, Dallas, Texas. And obviously, all the NLL teams at one point or another want to have as many local guys as they can. And we're going to give Bryce an opportunity. We've talked to him. It's going to be an uphill climb for him. It's going to be really challenging. Uh, these are the best box players in the world, and he hasn't played a lot of box. So uh, it's really up to him once we get to camp. But I wanted to give him every opportunity. He's part of a great family here in Dallas, and he's going to get every opportunity to um, try and be involved with our club uh, moving forward. You mentioned having local bodies. How has Fort Worth taken to Panther City Lacrosse Club in the last 18 months? It's been uh, it's been fantastic. The lacrosse communities have been great. Uh, we obviously um, our ownership group owns the Dallas Wings of the WNBA, so we've had a lot of marketing through them as well. And uh, you, you take into account Dickey's Arena back rolling with concerts and things of that nature. Um, we're very excited about the opportunity, and I know the city has embraced us. We've had a lot of great um, interactions with the community. You know, we just finished up our first camp, uh, and we've done a lot of, uh, you know, influencers and meetings here in Fort Worth, and we're very excited about December 10th. Uh, I I know the the, the community is going to rally behind us. Uh, December 10th will be your home opener. Uh, Do you guys know your opponent yet, or is that still to be decided? I think that's still to be decided, and... um, uh, we're hopeful that uh, this month we'll have some idea of who that's going to be. Fair enough. Um, let's dive into the draft. Uh, obviously, you guys had the number one overall pick going in. It was kind of a uh, 1A, 1B situation with Jonathan Donville and Adam Charlambides. The question became, and I mentioned this on the draft, can you guys wait as a franchise for a guy like Jonathan Donville, or did you need someone right now in Adam Charlambides? And what was the, the tipping point for you that decided, you know, Jonathan was our guy and we can wait. Yeah, it was a process. And as I mentioned, we got to see Jonathan play this summer uh, for Brooklyn um, in the uh, major series. And we, we knew he was a great player. We knew he was going back to school. Um, but at the end of the day, we just felt like he was worth waiting for. It was a great draft. The top five, six players, I mean, you can even go seven or eight or, uh, you know, upper echelon guys. And we just felt that Jonathan, at the end of the day, was, was the best player available. And uh, we could uh, make that decision to to wait till he's finished school. Yeah, and, and when you look at, you know, your next pick after that is, is Grennan and, and Caleb Cuber, and both those guys are going back to school. Your first three guys that you draft as an organization aren't going to be available for your first year. Was that was that a tough pill to swallow, or were you still always in the mindset that let's take the best guy available at that point? Well, we always were. Uh, actually, yeah. Grennan, Grennan will be at camp. He's, okay, he's, okay. He's going to play, so uh, that was an easy decision at nine. He, again, uh, got to see him play, play for Mike Hazen in the uh, Ontario Junior Tournament that they had, and Dan Teat's very familiar, and uh, he plays a lot of grit, 
And so we got our righty and our lefty, and our lefty's going to be able to play right away. And then That's Cooper, awesome. we knew, yeah, Cooper, we knew was going to Denver, and talked to Matt Brown at length about him. And obviously, you know him, Teddy. I mm-hmm. watched him. Uh, I've watched that 2019 Minto Cup. I don't know how many times. <laughs> and big body that can play both ends, uh, right up our alley. So uh, very excited to get uh, Caleb as well. Yeah, and then you know I'm I'm a massive fan of Caleb. He's an incredible athlete. He can play both sides of the ball. Uh, and then you go and get Liam Phillips uh, right after that. Another Victoria boy who who can play in transition. He'll be ready for you. Um, what did you like about his game that that allowed you to take him? He's got NLL speed, Teddy, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, his mm-hmm. footwork. Um, and obviously, being an expansion team, we can let Liam grow with us and uh, let him go make some mistakes maybe a couple nights in the press box, whatever. Uh, we, we know he can grow with us. and uh, But his footwork, and he's played at a high level. And, you know, you talk to the people out in, on the island, uh, they speak very highly of his character and the type of kid he is. And uh, a lot of things I heard was the sky was the limit for him if yeah. he uh, puts his mind to it. Yeah, I, I would agree 100% with that sentiment. He is a fantastic young man. You guys are going to be thrilled to have him within your roster. And when you look at your roster now, um, it, it's pretty filled out. Um, and, you know, you've got, what, 40 guys, 45 guys probably um, on paper in your roster. When you look at it top to bottom as an expansion team, um, how do you feel about your club? Well, I think we've been on record to say that we wanted to build from uh, the defensive end out, and I think we've done a decent job at it. Um, you look at some of the the names that we have, the Chad Cummings, you know, the Beers, the Pattons, uh, Taylor Stewart, uh, Matt Hossick. Uh, I think that's a good start. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got two young goaltenders. You know, I think everybody in the NLL has been waiting for for Kevin to blossom. We're hoping it's this year. And uh, a young guy, Nick DeMood, who um, you're familiar with, Teddy, uh, he's another young guy. So you hope, you know, one of those guys steps up and leads us. And then offensively, um, you know, we took a little a little mixture of old and, and youth. Uh, you know, we took, uh, you know, future Hall of Famer Ryan Banesh. Uh, and anybody that knows Ryan is a, a fantastic guy and a great locker room fellow that uh, can help the Dodds and the Malcolms of the world um, learn how to be a professional in the National Cross League. So, you know, a year ago, if I looked at this, I'd be pretty happy. So yeah. we uh, obviously got lots of work to, to do, and I think we've taken advantage of our opportunities in expansion draft and, and entry draft and free agency to, to the best put our best foot forward. Absolutely. And you have Charlie Kitchen and Phil Caputo doing yeoman's work down in the local community. How are those guys enjoying Fort Worth life? Well, we had them down for a few days. Uh, I know Charlie Kitchen probably be back fairly soon. Uh, they were down and uh, two two great guys, two good personalities, uh, good-looking young guys that uh, really did a great job when we, we launched our, our jersey and uh, a lot of fun to be around those fellas. Um. As we move towards, you know, October, November, when camps will start to open up, I'm sure you're not done with the busy phone calls. Are there many more pieces that you think you would like to add before training camp starts? Well, being an expansion team, Teddy, you know, there's a lot of, we get a lot of emails 
from kids that want an opportunity to, to try out for a National Lacrosse League team. And, you know, I was one of those young guys, so were you back in the day. We, mm-hmm. I, I, I love to get opportunities to kids. It's um, something we want to do. So we're going to take advantage of the two weekends prior to training camp and give some kids either, you know, an opportunity to the main camp or to let them know that and they maybe can have some closure um, and, and understand that it is such an elite league. So we're going to make it a competitive couple weeks and and then a, a competitive main camp. And, you know, really, uh, whether you're drafted in expansion or entry or signed as a street free agent, you're going to get every opportunity to make our club. With the growth of lacrosse in Texas and in North Texas where you guys are, um, how much talent do you expect to come to those open trials? And do you expect people from outside of the area to come as well? Yeah, I think we've already identified a few. Uh, we've had some calls. Uh, again, it's, um, it's, it's difficult for um, folks or players that haven't played the game. So we, we've tried to take each phone call or email or even our phone calls to somebody uh, try and do our due diligence. Uh, I don't want to waste anybody's time. I don't want to waste uh, our coaches' time, but we want to give kids opportunities that uh, will have a legit chance. So we'll keep monitoring uh, our local folks. And, and unfortunately, with COVID, it's probably in our best uh, interest to have our training camp in Canada, Teddy. So it's mm. much easier for us to get up there than it is for everybody to get down here. So it makes it right. a little more difficult on a local player to get up there. So um, we're, we're going to probably have uh, what well, we are going to have our training camp in Ontario, most of it. Yeah, and that's what mo- most teams will do with the, the ease of having the track or whether it's the Langley Event Center out in, in BC. There's just a couple of facilities that make things like that a little easier on coaching right. and staff and players and things like that. Um, we mentioned December 10th. Uh, it, it's still a long ways away, but I'm sure you're counting the days till that moment. How special of a moment will that be when this team finally gets to play a real game? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a great night, a great weekend. Uh, this has been so rewarding. Um, and you look at, you know, we touched on some of the guys that have been working with us. Uh, you know, I think of Tracy, you know, since he quit playing, he's wanted to be a head coach in the National Lacrosse League. So it's going to be a special night for him and, and Teeter and Toler on the bench with him. Uh, I'm excited for those guys. I'm excited for our community. I'm excited for our staff here and our ownership. Who this was a vision, you know, a few years ago for them. It's all going to culminate on December 10th, and uh, so it'll be a very special night. And uh, I know it seems a long way away. Uh, I can't believe a year's gone by between drafts here. So it won't be long coming. Um, is there a fine jar for your coaches for them getting like? Unsportsmanlike conduct, bench minors. Are they going to have to throw into a kitty all year long? Uh, you know, they they sign contracts, Teddy. <laughs> there was about five or six pages dedicated to that. So I just left. <laughs> uh, it is a, a phenomenal coaching staff you have. All three are, are fantastic men. How impressed? You know, we talked about you know your scouting staff and the work that they've done, but. Um, the work that TK, Teeter, and Toler have done um, just has to be so impressive as a general manager. 
Yeah, all kidding aside, uh, you know, Steve Cole just won a, an Ontario championship with his junior team, and uh, I watched him. He, he's uh, he's understood what it takes to get to the National Lacrosse League, and he's a very passionate guy. Uh, and same with Dan. Dan's uh, been in the league, and now it's his opportunity to get back in. And uh, I coach Dan. I play with Dan. He's a good friend, and, um, you know, he's a mentor for a lot of these kids that have gone through the – the Ontario system and, and the National Lacrosse League. So uh, I couldn't be happier. I know Tracy feels the same way and really is a Hall of Fame staff. And uh, you look throughout the National Lacrosse League, the coaching staffs are, you know, we are the best box lacrosse league in the world and we have the best coaches. And I feel like I got three of them as well. Hammer, this was a, a very special weekend for your organization. I thought you guys did fantastically well. Congratulations on all the players you selected. Um, best of luck heading into training camp. Enjoy some downtime a little bit, um, but uh, get ready for camp in the start of the season. Appreciate the time as always, Hammer. Thank you, Teddy. I appreciate everything you do for our game. At the end of the day, Panther City Lacrosse Club needed to take the best player available in this draft, and that was Jonathan Donville. When you weighed all of the factors, it made sense for Donville to be the guy. Sure, Charlene Beatties was available and could play day one. But I think as an expansion franchise, passing up a talent like Jonathan Donville wouldn't have been the right decision. And I believe they made the right decision. Bob Hamley and his staff factored in every possible Result, equation, idea. And they got their guy. And like he said, Nate Grennan's going to be available for them this year. And Nate Grennan's stock took a massive jump this summer. Caleb Kuber will be out for one more year. But then, you know, they already have a pretty nice stable of guys in their roster and in their company of players. They're not world beaters quite yet. But they are going to be a competitive, hardworking, gritty team. And I'm very interested to see how a team coached by Tracy Koloski comes out and plays. I know what he can do as a coach. I've seen him work with the Philadelphia Wings, seen him work with the Peterborough Lakers. Players love playing for him. He gets the most out of his athletes on every shift. Now what's it going to be like when he has an entire bench looking at him and an entire locker room listening to his advice, his sage words, and his game plans? My one concern, and truth be told, I think compared to Rochester's early first year in goal and to New York's first year in goal, I think Kevin Orleman and Nick Damut are two very competent young goaltenders that will give this team a chance in every lacrosse game. Nick obviously has a little more experience than Kevin does, but both are ready to become the guy. I think it is going to be an absolutely phenomenal goaling duel between those two young men in camp. And if you can get the compete level out of your goalies in camp, that will inspire the rest of your locker room 
to compete for their spots as well. Because they're going to know everybody wants to be here. And for an expansion team, having a competent, able, and confident in his own right goaltender goes so far in the successes of your team. Look at what San Diego did with Frank Chiliano. He allowed them to be one of the best teams in the NLL West in their first year. They finished second, hosted a playoff game, got knocked off by Calgary. But still, that's how good you can be if you have an experienced goaltender. Rochester didn't have that. New York didn't have that. Philly had it. And that's, again, why they have been as successful as they have been. Panther City now has successful goaltend to start their brand new franchise. They are both very young. They are both still relatively green when you compare them to all of the other National Lacrosse League goaltenders that will be starting this year, or most likely starting this year. Combined, they are four and three in the National Lacrosse League. Combined, they are four and three. But they have been around this league for a few years already and understand how to prepare. And I think that, that as a good young goaltending duel, they will do very well. Before we go further, uh, as we get closer and closer to the NLL training camps and NLL season and face-off weekend, you're slowly running out of time to get your favorite team swag. And if you haven't yet, now's a perfect time to check out the NLL shop. We got all of your favorite team gear over there, shirts, hats, hoodies, and more with new stuff being added daily. And for all my Canadian friends, don't worry, we got you covered. Fanatics.ca is the place for you to get your needs. So gear up in your favorite team swag at either nllshop.com or fanatics.ca prior to the start of the season and make sure you look your best. The one little bright note for the West this week, after all the draft noise settled down, was that Evan Kirk will no longer be terrorizing offenses in the NLL West. On a regular basis, that is. As the unrestricted free agent came to terms with a deal with the Rochester Nighthawks. And this is a massive signing for Rochester. For all of the re all of the reasons that I just alluded to. Because in their first year, they did not have a strong presence in net. They had a lot of guys vying for that position. But none of them were really ready to take that spot yet. And none of the three really did in Friar Wendy and Ryland Hartley. And so Dan Carey knew he had to go and get a guy. And he got one of the best guys in the NLL right now. Former goalie of the year, NLL champion with the rush, 58 and 48 in his career. Still probably in the prime of his goaltending years. But makes the decision. Wants to stay a little closer to home. A little easier travel. Play in the East. 
and get behind a NLL defense that just added Dan Coates. Pretty good selling point. Bring in Ryan Smith out the front gate. This is a team that struggled in their first year, but are ready to take that next step now in what is year two. The Nighthawks only had three picks on draft night, so they needed to make a splash somewhere else, and they did that by signing Evan Kirk. I think this is one of the free agent signings of the season, and the fact that Dan Carey was able to get both Dan Coates and Evan Kirk makes them one of the big winners in free agency overall. And yes, they didn't have a very active draft, but they got Corson Keeley uh, as a left-hander, which is a position they need to fill. Riley Curtis is another lefty who people had quite high on their draft boards, um, was in the third round for them. So while it wasn't a busy draft night, they did have a great week, essentially, for the organization. And so kudos to the Nighthawks, who are going to have Evan Work doing work in Roch Vegas. Which then leads to the question, if you're the Saskatchewan Rush, and obviously Derek Keenan had to see this coming, because it wouldn't just have happened without his acknowledgement. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think Kirky would make that decision without consulting Jammer. And I'm sure there was negotiations between the two parties, obviously trying to get Kirk to stay. But at the end of the day, that's the part of the business of sport. You lose free agents. It happens all the time. But now the goalie duo in Saskatchewan is Adam Shute, who's a career 6-4 and four in the National Lacrosse League, and Cameron Dunkley, who is yet to play a minute. The only real name that I can see as a possibility right now for the Saskatchewan Rush is Aaron Bold. Unless they are going to run with Shute and Dunks, the opportunity is out there for Aaron Bold. And if all sort of rumblings are kind of accurate, and I've been saying this for over a year, that the championship window run of the rush is slowly coming to a close. And it is very likely that the likes of Corbeil and Rubish and Dilks are gone next year in free agency. And if this is going to be your last run, which it kind of seems like they're doing by adding a guy like Matt Beers and drafting Barnable and Boudreaux as sort of backups and depth guys, not backups, but depth guys for years to come. It kind of seemed weird for me that Kirk wasn't brought back and I'm not going to question it. Uh, that's not what we're here to do It's just from my point of view, if you're going to make that run and go at another championship with this group is that you would want it to be Evan Kirk between the pipes. Adam shoot has been there for quite some time, but Evan Kirk and Aaron bold have always been their guys. So now is it, Adam Shute's turn finally? When was the last time Adam Shute had shots? 
is he ready? Again, these are obviously questions and conversations Derek Keenan has 1,000% had. But from the outside looking in, these are questions that we all have. And we will obviously find that out when we get into camp. But it would not surprise me if there is another goaltender brought in. And it also wouldn't surprise me if it was Aaron Bolt. But again, we shall wait and see. Um, let's sort of recap this draft because we won't go through the whole draft because it's a lot of players. It's 90. Um, but there are some main points we should talk about. Uh, we kind of talked on the Donville thing over Adam Charlambides. And it made sense. You have to draft the best guy. And Panther City got it. For Georgia, there was always a, a question. Because Lyle and Miles were there. Then the connection that the Georgia Swarm have with the Thompson family and the indigenous community. Would they take Dehogan Anacoke? Because it would be an incredible spot for him to play with and learn from and be mentored by LT4. It was would have been a gem of a fit. And especially with Randy Stotts most likely not playing this year because of that knee injury, it also made sense that they would maybe go out and get a guy that they could play and put in right now. Again, being Dehoka Nanako. At the end of the day, though, they took the second best player people had in this draft, many people. Ryan Lanchbury. And if you watched any of the MSL Classic this year, you had to have been impressed by what Ryan Lanchbury did. He was scoring from the outside. He was getting inside. He was finding loose balls. He was finding backs to get open. Like He had an incredibly impressive summer. And I think that probably helped elevate him over Dahoga, even though Lanch is going back for another year. So when it comes to Buffalo, and I had many talks with Steve Dietrich leading up to the draft, and he did tell me, depending on who was available, that at number three was most likely going to be between Dahoga and Adam Charlambides. And it was going to be, what did the team need the most at that time. And I truly believe that before the draft, that it was Charlotte Beatties. He was going to be their guy. But the trade for Connor Fields completely changes that. By getting Connor Fields, not only do they get a very talented left-hander, who is literally one year and two months older than Adam Charlambides, but you're also getting a kid from East Amherst, New York, who grew up watching your team, going to your games, and idolizing your players. And he went to Albany, just down the road. Like, kid is upstate through and through. You get a guy that lives in the area, from the area, bleeds the area, and now you get to get him into your organization after he has played, you know, two very impressive years with the San Diego Seals. And in order to get the homegrown talent, 
The Bandits gave up the number 13 pick and a second rounder in next year's draft to the Seals. So by getting that coveted left-hander, it allowed them to say, you know what? Charlotte Beatties isn't our guy anymore. Let's go out and get one of the most electrifying talents in this entire draft in TN1. Dehoga Nanakog is going to be an absolute talent in the National Crossing this year. Add to the fact that he is going to be in an offense that will not only include incoming rookies like Brad McCulley, Nathaniel Kuznetsov, and maybe even Sam LaRue, but proven NLL stars, Kyle Buchanan, Chase Fraser, Dane Smith, Josh Byrne, Chris Cloutier. That offense was already pretty scary. Now you're going to add Dahoga Nanakoke to that. There is going to be three top 10 plays of the night award nominees every time that team plays. It is going to be an and one mixtape tour like offense at times. It's going to be phenomenal. I'm here for it. Sure, TN1 playing for the Seals would have been great. Him and Audie, whoo, would have loved it. But having him under John Tavares, who's coached him before, is just going to put him in a very comfortable position. And a one that he will be supported in and protected in. And I felt that there were four spots that Dehoga could go where he would be able to get that. And it was Halifax with Cody Jamison. It was Buffalo with John Tavares. Georgia with Lyle and Miles. And then out in San Diego with Austin Stotts and Patrick Merrill. I really thought those were the four spots that he would have the most success and the best place to let his professional game and his future career grow. And if you were on Instagram or if you were on Twitter, um, there's the social media post that he just kind of goes into some things. And it is very opening. And it's very unlike him to be that open. And in a time and age where so many athletes feel they have to repress their feelings and keep their mouth shut about depression, mental illness, and just dealing with the life that goes on and the shit that goes on on with it. It's incredibly powerful and admirable to see a young athlete do that. And I completely respect the way he is going about things. He, he accepts that he has had some faults and he's ready to mend those fences, correct those wrongs, and become the best athlete, role model, and person he can be. And I, there are a lot of kids and young men I'm happy, happy for to be in this draft. He's one of the ones I think we can all be happy for. You know what I mean? Like... It's just a very, very cool story. And to see him finally in the National Cross League, I'm just super thrilled and I cannot wait 
to see him in this league, just doing what makes him happy. So now, because Buffalo got their guy in fields, which allowed them to take Dehoga Nanakoke, it allowed Vancouver to say, all right then, Adam Charlemides, come on down. We will gladly welcome you to the Warriors with open arms. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Him and Reed Bowering on the left-handed side of the floor, and Reed can play D and he can play O and he might play a little bit of both. But if you get both those guys out the front door at some point in a game, look out, man. Adam with Mitch and, and Logie on that left-hand side. Warriors are starting to get sneaky good. You know, they lose Matt Beers, which is a tough one. But they're, they've got Brett Mitski. They, they've got some bodies back there. But unfortunately, they've just in the span of a month, I think, had four guys step away from the game of lacrosse. And they are, all four of them are just incredible people. I don't know James Ray as much as I know the other three guys, but for all the interactions I've had with James and the stories I've heard about him, he is just an absolutely phenomenal young man. And he was a very underdeveloped talent. Like he could have had a very long career in our league. And I think family business is sort of the main, one of the main reasons he has to step away. I think they like own an orchard in Langley. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, I think, but I think that might be right. But when you look at the cases of Ian Hawksby, Joel McCready, and Chris O'Doherty, I don't think there are three better all-round team guys than those three. Like combined... They have to be some of the best teammates out there. When I first met OD, we called him the Irish car bomb. That's how I announced him uh, when the stealth were in Everett. And he was an instant fan favorite. Kinnelin, New Jersey. Chris, the Irish car bomb, O'Doherty. And he would come running out and the, the arena would go crazy for him. And he just played with ruthless aggression. And he loved it. He loved the box game. And he learned from guys like Ian Hawksby and Art Webster, who was their D coach. Beersy was there. Um, Jason Bloom was there. Like Chris learned from some incredible, incredible people while they were there. Uh, even like even Curtis Hodgson was there. And he was a massive part of that defense. And an OD turned into one of, actually, you know what? He was one of the most underrated Americans in the National Lacrosse League the entire time he was in the National Lacrosse League. He did not get the respect that he deserved. And unfortunately, a knee injury in the last few years kind of slowed him down a bit, but he battled to get back. But man, not a nicer guy have I met than Chris O'Doherty. Like, what a great human being that guy is. And he's going to be missed. Joel McCready, like, how many teammate of the year awards did this guy win? A couple? With multiple teams? And that says something. And 
he was just an absolute gem to watch because he just didn't care. He would go flying into the boards, die for a loose ball, come up with it, get out of the corner, make a pass, set his dirty pick on a guy's low back, roll to the middle, catch, dive, bust his knees open and still score, and then get up and celebrate right in your face. He was just a treat to watch, man. Like, if you could have a team full of Joel McCready's, you'd be pretty successful. He'd even play goal for you if he had to. And he won a couple championships with Rochester. He was a part of their their little three-way run. And he's just been uh, one of those players that every team would love to have. And work and family kind of brought him back out west. And he was an incredible part of the Warriors organization. And I'm sorry things didn't work out with them sort of later on in his career. But at the end of the day, he did have an absolutely phenomenal career. Um, again, another guy who had an injury that kind of slowed his path to a few more years. But what a class, class guy Joel McCready was. And then the last guy is Ian Hawksby. And if you have ever spent any time with Ian Hawksby, you will, you will understand why this guy is so beloved by everybody else in the National Lacrosse League. He doesn't say a bad word about anybody. He doesn't take any crap from anybody. He, he, he'll play right on that edge. He'll never truly dirty you, right? He'll give you the chop here and there, and he'll give you the stick every once in a while, but he will never intentionally dirty you. And he played the game the right way. He soaked shots. He got up and down the floor. He was a vocal leader. He was just a funny ass dude to be around and another guy that kind of came up through along with the stealth from San Jose all the way up the coast and, and ran the gamut of the warrior stealth franchise and will go down as arguably one of the best to ever be a part of the franchise. It wouldn't be surprised me if, if his is a number that they think about retiring at some point. because of everything that he's done for the for the organization ever since they were down in San Jose and all the way up to Vancouver and, and all the work that he does for them, with them, and around the community. Just uh, another guy that is just salt of the earth and absolutely amazing, amazing human being, and, and everyone's going to miss seeing Hawk run around the floor. So congratulations on an outstanding career to all four of those guys, but, you know, that's four bodies that are out of that lineup for the Vancouver Warriors. And so they definitely have to do some retooling on the back end. And they drafted very back end heavy when they could. Bryce Schmerman, Aiden Danby, Owen Pribzlinski, Graydon Susie. You know, four of their six draft picks this year were, were D guys. So, you know, they, they bolstered up the back end by bringing in Alex Bouquet. Uh, they got, you know, Baby Daddy Steve Fryer. Eric Penny's still there. So, you know, there's going to be some goalie competition in Vancouver. I think, again, like we talked about in Panther City. Competition builds greatness. And if you have complacency, especially in your goaltending position, it can hurt you. So you need somebody constantly behind you, making you look over your shoulder and say, oh man, are they coming now? Are they coming now? 
is it my is it my turn? And I think that's going to be good for Vancouver. They need to really push each other in that Vancouver goal because they're in a dogfight out west and they're going to need the best person in between the pipes game in and game out. All right, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked. I got to focus here. Um, Seals are on the clock at number five. They take Mike McCannell, uh, two-way transition guy that had, you know, another one of those guys that had a great summer playing both in the Ontario Junior Tournament as well as the MSL Classic. The kid put in the work and San Diego was thoroughly impressed with everything that he did. And that is why they took him at number five. Very versatile is young Mike McCannell. Calgary takes Kyle Waters at six. Um, I didn't think Kyle was going to go this high. But for the Calgary Roughnecks, getting the monster of a young man that is Kyle Waters, 6'4", 220, I think. Uh, he's only going to continue to fill out and get bigger and get better. Uh, the one sort of criticism about him this summer was he was a little out of shape. But he knows that he needs to be better. And he knows that he needs to get in shape. And he's already working with people to get him in shape. So when we get to training camp, I don't have any doubts that Kyle Waters will come into camp in the best shape of his life. Maybe this quote-unquote steal of the draft, and we kind of talked about this already, but Saskatchewan Jake Boudreaux and Ryan Barnable back-to-back 7-8, sometimes it just seems unfair that teams keep giving Keenan first-rounders and he keeps turning him into these absolutely phenomenal young defenders. And like I said, if it is true that the window is closing on the rush and they are going to be kind of breaking up that back end in the years to come, adding depth and future talents like Boudreaux and Barnable is an excellent way to stock the pantry. Some had Boudreaux as high as two in their rankings when you talk to some of the GMs. Some guys had Barnable in the top five. And when you can get them at seven and eight, you're just licking your chops saying thank you very much. So again, Derek Keenan, the wizard, gets two ultra-talented prospects because he gave up talent to get him. Connor Robinson got him one of the picks, and Ben McIntosh got him the other. You nurture talent, you sell them at their high point, you get full value, and you turn them into great players. And that's what's made Derek Keenan so successful over his entire tenure with the Rush. So then there was this moment. During the draft, there is an announced trade between Calgary and Philadelphia. The Calgary gets into the 10th slot in exchange for the 15th pick. Basically, they're just flip-flopping. And it obviously meant that Calgary had a guy in mind. And then, as we're going into that ninth pick, when that deal is announced, the ninth pick belonged to Georgia. And as we're waiting, it's announced that there's been another trade. And that the Georgia Swarm had traded nine to the San Diego Seals for their first rounder next year. And it obviously was very apparent 
that the San Diego Seals thought that Calgary was going to go and get the guy that they wanted to take at 12. Sorry, at 13. And when that trade between Calgary and Philadelphia was made, Patrick Merrill jumped on the horn, called up Ed Como and John Arlotta, and said, will you give us nine for our first next year? And they said, yes. And that allowed them to get Patrick Shume. And it was gamesmanship, a chess game, the game within the game, however you want to clarify it or classify it. Something happened there. And at the end of the day, San Diego was able to get ahead of Calgary and take Patrick Shume. And it is almost glaringly apparent that Calgary was jumping up ahead of San Diego at number 13, getting into the number 10 hole to take Patrick Shume. Because it also got them ahead of Panther City, who possibly could have taken Patrick Shume. Now, if things don't add up, I get that. It is rather confusing. The timing, the way things worked was odd. But at the end of the day, Shume is a seal. It's a guy that they wanted. It's a guy that's going to be able to step in right away. And a guy that is going to be a great National Cross League defender. And for the Roughnecks, it didn't work out the way they wanted it to. And they ended up getting Justin Anasio who I know was on their board and is a very, very talented prospect. He was probably the best face-off guy in the draft, along with Jordan Aki. But he has some MSL experience. He has gotten rave reviews from his general manager, Brad MacArthur, and playing for Brooklyn this summer. And if Tyler Burton has... One, two more years left in the National Lacrosse League. Justin Anasio is the perfect replacement. And on the broadcast, I used the word, maybe Calgary regrets making that trade now. And I said it in jest. And I didn't mean it that they made a bad move. And I didn't mean it coming from a San Diego perspective either. I was just saying what came through my mind and what I thought at that moment. Maybe the word regret wasn't the word I should have used because of course they don't regret it. They were doing everything they could in their power to try to get the guy that they wanted. And I will say that I, I regret using the word regret because it was the wrong word to use. And so I will apologize for that. And so after Calgary gets off the clock and they take Justin Anasio, Nate Grennan selected by Panther City. And you heard Bob Hanley talk about Nate Grennan. Um, his stock went through the roof this summer. And if you don't know why, uh, there's a fight on the interwebs that you should go see. And it's not that it's like the wildest or craziest fight you've ever seen. It's just the impact that it had, the moment it happened... The reason it happened, just 
allowed teams to understand what a great teammate Nate Grennan is. And if you talk to Chris Ryan, his coach at Mercyhurst, he will say all of those same things. He is a team-first guy that will do whatever it takes for his teammates, to help his teammates, and with his teammates. And sure, at the end of the day, Brampton ended up losing that Ontario Junior League final. And having Nate Grennan in the lineup the rest of that game may have helped. But in the heat of the battle, he felt standing up for his teammate who was given a bit of a dirty hit, he felt standing up for that guy was more important at that time. And I can't argue with him for that thought process. And I don't think a lot of other people truly would either. And that is why he was taken where he was because of his team first mentality. And Panther City is going to love to have him. In the 12-hole, uh, Max Wilson. You guys all know I love Max. I don't need to wax any more poetic about him. I am just thoroughly happy for him. And if you saw the video that he posted, that Halifax posted, that the league re reposted uh, of his moment when he heard his name called, you know, in the apartment with all his teammates at NJIT, um, surrounding him, watching him, watching their brother achieve his dream, just what an incredible moment. And... Those are the moments we get through the virtual draft. It's not the same moment as these kids would have had if the draft was in person, but it becomes a, a better moment because in the draft room, you're just in the room with all the other players. This way, you're, you're in a room with all of your buddies, which kind of makes it that much more special. A different kind of special. You know what I mean? And I, I made this joke with Max, and this goes for all of the rookies, even the ones last year. You may have not have gotten that moment to walk across the stage and shake Nick Sakevich's hand and get a jersey or a ball and a hat presented to you. But I promise you this. If we are ever all in the same arena, you, me, and the commissioner, we will find him we will get a picture and you'll have that moment. Because I know that is important. It's not the same, but just to be able to shake his hand, have him welcome you to the league, is a pretty important moment for a lot of these players. And so, that is my promise to all of you young players. If the commissioner and I are ever in the same building, which happens from time to time, and you are there as well, and you would like that moment, you come find me, we'll make it happen. It's my vow to you. Uh, Seals are next on the clock at 13 as part of the Fields trade. They take Jacob Dunbar from Poco. Thomas Bison goes to Buffalo at number 14, and Buffalo loves their Western guys. And all thanks to Rob Buckin, the general manager of the Langley Thunder. He is their Western scout, and he has not steered them wrong yet. Look at all the Western guys that are on that Buffalo team, and you can easily directly correlate them to Rob Buckin, Chase Fraser, Nathaniel Kineznikov, Sam LaRue, Brad McCulley. Now you add Thomas Bison. Like, those are all Western guys. And they wouldn't get there if it's not for Rob Buckin vouching for them 
and saying these guys are worth it, but also at the same time, and this is a very key point for a lot of you young players coming into the league, Fraser, McCulley, Kineznikov, they're all living out there. They've all moved and relocated to Buffalo. They're living in market. I know it's tough for so many of us out west. We don't want to leave the west coast. We don't want to go out east. We want to stay at home close to family, friends, girlfriends, whatever. Trust me when I tell you this. As a rookie, it is imperative that if you want to have a lasting impression with your team and your organization and your fans, that you are in market that you're doing the grunt work, you're doing the media appearances, you're doing the kids' camps, the school appearances, you're walking in parades, you're shaking hands and kissing babies, you're doing TV commercials, media stuff. It is so crucial that you are there for that. Because it just endears you to the community, it shows you want to be a part of the team, it keeps you involved in everything that they're doing, and... It just makes their life as an organization easier because they don't have to worry about flying you from the West because it's so damn hard sometimes. And that has been a big reason why those guys and the Buffalo Bandits have been drafting so many Western guys is because those guys have said, yes, absolutely, unequivocally, when I'm done school, I will come and live in Buffalo. Hunter Lemieux goes 15th to Philadelphia. Uh, this kid, uh, probably one of the best um, American products in the draft. Played some time with Burlington under Dan McRae. Uh, played some NCBS for the Armory and was absolutely wonderful for them uh, in the minutes that he did play. And I think Philadelphia is really going to like him uh, as a lefty forward. They got that pick by flipping with Calgary. And then Albany with a compensation pick gets Patrick Kastrelk. Uh, at 16 quickly because I truly do know I'm rambling. Um, just a couple other couple moments. Uh, Caleb Kuber, absolutely love the pick by Panther City. Kid is going to be absolutely a star in our league um, once he kind of just gets up to speed with everything because once he figures it out, he's there. Uh, Drew Hutchinson, first goalie off the board, selected by Halifax. Chris Riglieri, San Diego, took the second goaltender off the board as they kind of find their D-depth. Take Tony was a late entry into the draft. He goes third round to Panthers City. Um, Will Johnson, he and Chris Riglieri were two of the goaltenders that I got to see at the Survivors Cup out on Cornwall Island the week before the draft. Um, and man, are these two young kids good? Honestly, these two kids are going to be really good. Obviously, um, the same concern that everyone will have with young goaltenders coming into the league is how will they react when they have to get rid of the big wooden goalie stick and bring in the plastic stick. Um, O'Rig has already been using a plastic stick. He used it during that Survivor's Cup tournament. Um, so he's already kind of trying to get into that rhythm. Um, I'm not sure how much time Will Curtis has with a plastic stick, but he's going to be into a battle out there in New York with Steve Orleman um, and Goa Abrams for that backup spot. Um, who knows? He could even push for the starter spot in New York. Um, he, he's that he's that good. And the fact that Stephen Orleman does not have a minute played in this league puts him exactly on the same level as Will Johnston. And if Will can come into camp and blow the doors off the place, why not give him an opportunity? 
But, you know, we talked earlier, way back at the start of the show, before I started rambling incoherently sometimes. Um, as a young team, you need to have a proven goaltender in between your pipes if you're ever going to get off the ground. It is the most imperative position for a young team. You can go through the books of all the expansion teams and find the ones that were the most successful in their first or second year, and I can guarantee you they had a seasoned goalie between the pipes. And I still don't think New York has that yet. Rochester just got it in Evan Kirk. So, Will Johnson has as good a shot as any of these young goaltenders that were drafted in this year's draft to become the number one guy. It's going to be a tall task if he is. But what a story it would be if that did happen. Um, if you want to find out all the other stuff in the draft, obviously, um, nll.com slash news. Draft is right there. Swarmitup.com has um, all the new or all the trades, all the picks, um, where all the picks went. It still is the best resource um, for all of your draft needs. Whatever, whatever you need, whatever you want to know, what pick was traded for, how it was originally picked. Like you can go down that deep dark web. Web. Um, Halifax. Actually, this is just uh, put out there. Um, Isle Indoor has confirmed that Chris Fake was not enrolled during the 2021-2021 school year. So he's not eligible for this year's draft, and the pick is forfeited. This has just come out. Um, before the draft, it was brought up that Chris Zavitz was going to be ineligible for this very reason. And I knew there were going to be other cases like this. And it's now just coming to light. And I think there's going to be more. I don't think Chris Fake will be the only one. Um, we'll talk about all this next week. Because, trust me, there's going to be more names from this. He's not the only one. Um, thanks to Bob Hamley for sticking by and, and joining us this week. Um, we'll keep getting guests. We'll keep getting you people to talk to. Obviously... Like I mentioned, this is sort of the slow time for the NLL, but there's still going to be lots to talk about. It's the PLL semifinals this weekend. Um, we'll bring in our PLL experts to talk about um, this past weekend's or this weekend's games, setting up the finals. Um, we'll talk to you in a week's time. Um, again, find me on Twitter at off the crossbar. Email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Find me and follow the show on Instagram at OTCB Podcast. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.
Before we go further, uh, as we get closer and closer to the NLL training camps and NLL season and face-off weekend, you're slowly running out of time to get your favorite team swag. And if you haven't yet, now's a perfect time to check out the NLL shop. We got all of your favorite team gear over there, shirts, hats, hoodies, and more with new stuff being added daily. And for all my Canadian friends, don't worry, we got you covered. Fanatics.ca is the place for you to get your needs. So gear up in your favorite team swag at either NLLshop.com or Fanatics.ca prior to the start of the season and make sure you look your best.